Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss B-Sides. It's B-Sides. It is. It is B-Sides. And we're going to kick it off with Excalibur number 43, which is beautiful Alan Davis art. Uh, it The comic book is phenomenal. The cover... I don't. I'm not digging on this kitty. You don't like the uh, the cheeks, the rosy cheeks. I don't like the big grin. I don't like the rosy cheeks. And I don't like the big eyes. Uh, everything in the background though is good. Like um, Captain Britain punching out Nightcrawler for some reason. Phoenix doing her Phoenix thing, and then um, I think it's body bag there that's stuck in a toilet with some toilet paper spinning around. <laughs> like that stuff's all good. I'm just not a huge fan of this kitty. Well, you know she's she's a little embarrassed. I think and we're not see, we've never seen this side for her of her. Although this issue has been approved by the Comics Code, the editor in chief thought it was advisable to warn that some of the material inside may be offensive to natives of Alpha Centauri. Going back to that classic Excalibur gigantic word bubble. Yep. Callback. What? Do you expect to see a bunch of scantily clad heroes fighting each other? Which is, yeah. a, I think that's issue five or six or something like that. Uh, I'm all good with kind of those breaking the fourth wall covers and talking directly to the audience. Um, I got to say, given our reading list this week, this was definitely the best thing. <laughs> this is like, this is high quality. Number one, it's high quality art. Uh, but number two, and probably more importantly, like it's really well written. They're, they're. Do we, it's all it's about characters. Uh, yeah, uh, we get back to some stuff that we haven't touched in a while. Like let's let's get right into it. This one's called Home Comforts or Who Exploded the Toilet. Yep, and um, the artwork, as I already I think I already mentioned, but the artwork throughout this this issue is is just top notch. <laughs> it is just Alan Davis at his finest. For sure, we got dynamic poses and angles and i mean while you know megan is is very sexy and brian is very buff um like people aren't contorted into ridiculous positions do you know what i'm saying yeah this they have natural body shapes and like resistance like muscle resistance and and, and bone like you can definitely see as uh, so the book opens up basically with nightcrawler and Megan doing some what looks like danger room style training. Um, and you can definitely see just, just, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like when they're doing this backflip on page two, you see the one, their one legs are kind of kicked up in one direction. Uh, and then their other legs are just kind of pushed back behind them. But it's not like ridiculous Spider-Man where everything's just like super uh, stretchy and malleable. Like these characters look like they, they have them. They're, they're well, um, uh, uh, exercised and toned and whatnot, but they have physical limitations as a human does. It feels like Alan Davis studied some gymnasts, perhaps. Sure, yeah. Some of these poses seem like like straight out of some sort of gymnast routine. Now, it, it it doesn't necessarily need to be noted, but uh, Nightcrawler's wearing a a tank top and some like white sweatpants and some armbands uh, and a headband, as you would if you're doing gymnastics. And Megan is wearing uh, basically a string bikini. Yeah, which, you know, <laughs> but we, we learn later that this is a dream sequence. So that kind of explains it as we get to the ground. They both land simultaneously. And now Megan has transformed into the blue version of 
female nightcrawler that she sometimes transforms to and they kiss and it's very passionate and nightcrawler starts moaning megan oh megan and then he wakes up with a start as someone grabs him by the throat and says oh megan and we that is when it is revealed that it is a dream and captain britain has awoken nightcrawler from a very deep sleep and uh nice dream i suppose and uh he's being throttled by captain britain yeah he's like i knew it you're always a snake always hanging around megan like that well you were charming and everything but you never fooled me what it turns out here is that captain britain can't sleep or doesn't want to sleep and he just wants throughout this entire issue to finish up his book but all of these things keep getting in his way, such as when he was walking by Nightcrawler's room, hearing him moan about Megan. Now, I do have a question, Adam. Where Where is Nightcrawler sleeping? Because it looks like he has sheets for walls, and there's like a light bulb hanging down from the ceiling. Like he's well, in as, a. As we know, last issue the night the uh, the lighthouse exploded. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming they're all in kind of makeshift rooms in the very bottom quarters. Oh, so potentially Nightcrawler was having his his very sexy dream, and Captain Britain may have been on the other side of the sheet trying to read his book, and he's like, "What? What, Megan? Yeah, what are you talking about over there? What's going on?" That, that there's like sense. boxes down here and like you said, sheets and it's got that classic sort of 50s sheet divider thing. Yep, yep. Uh, Rachel shows up and she's like, what's going on here? Everybody calm down. Ryan loses his, his mind. He's like, calm. I invite you to live here and then you bring TechNet here and I'm just trying to read my book. And it's just there's all this noise. And then Nightcrawler here calling out Megan's name. It's obvious what's going on, isn't it? He calls him Night Creeper. <laughs> Rachel kind of looks at Nightcrawler. It's a little silent panel here, and uh, Night Nightcrawler looks a, Nightcrawler looks a little guilty in this panel. He's like, mm, well, yeah, because well, he knows what's mm. going on. Yeah, uh, Megan and somebody from TechNet. I don't know who's. I don't know the names of any of these people. Actually, uh, I have this page open, so I'm going to look and see. I can't remember this. this the, is. Oh, God, there's a lot of them. Yeah. I I'm, think this might be Kylon, maybe? It's a, it's, it's like a frog-headed dude with a big red body. He and Megan are bringing some technology... Uh, oh, this is Thug. Thug. Through a hole in the ceiling uh, down below. And as Megan passes by Brian, she kisses him and says, mm, Morning, darling. And she continues down. With Thug, I guess. And now the tables have turned. Rachel looks back at Brian, and Brian looks a little embarrassed about the whole situation. So it's a great juxtaposition between two panels. So did Brian think that Nightcrawler, like this was Nightcrawler exposing that he had been cheating on him? Well, cheating on, cheating with Megan on him? Uh, I don't know about that. I think it's more of like he's so angry and mad at Nightcrawler, but then the three panels here just kind of show that, that Megan's, like, totally devoted to him. Right. So, like, Rachel's kind of like, so what do you got to worry about? And I think Brian's kind of realizing, like, oh, well, maybe I flew off the handle a little bit. I'm going to go downstairs and read my book. Getting some of Brian's insecurity. I mean, we already know he's insecure. Right, right, exactly. So I don't think that there's any belief that Megan is cheating on Brian with Nightcrawler. I think he's yeah. just... He's insecure, as you mentioned. So 
so then he's trying to still trying to read his book, but now people, uh, this thug guy, I guess, he's drilling into the wall or something like this. Now we have Joy Boy and Waxworks are there. Okay. <laughs> uh, Joy Boy, we know he's the floating baby, and then Waxworks yeah. is kind of like the a, nose, the giant nose. It looks like a giant nose or a, a giant Goomba or something. Yeah. Uh, Scatterbrain is kind of the, I guess, sexy technet person? Flirty? Maybe flirt. We'll go with flirty. And for some reason, she's hanging off of Nightcrawler. I mean, uh, off of Brian. Scatterbrain, get off. Leave me a pee. And uh, Megan asks Brian to come over and see what they're doing, and Brian's still in a mood, so I'm really not interested. You might fit in with these moronic aliens, but I just want to be left alone. Yeah. And she's like, what? And she, so she gets a little like, it wasn't very nice. Tears up a little yeah. bit. It's this deal. God. Uh, Kitty's trying to fix Widget. I don't remember what what happened to Widget. Uh, Widget was taken apart and put back together by some spacefaring people from Saturn. Oh, I think. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Like the interdimensional police or whatever. Uh, oh, she says to evaluate how Bert's tinkering has affected you. So some, yeah, he's just a little discombobulated. And Pharaoh, I think, is here. Pharaoh trying to help. Oh, okay. It's not <laughs> just Pharaoh; it's Pharaoh squared. Well, he's got a tube next to his name. Yeah, you're right. It's it's yeah yeah. It's definitely Pharaoh squared. Weird. I wonder if there was a Pharaoh. Oh, maybe this is the second Pharaoh, or Who this knows? is Pharaoh times two. But he's trying to help, and he ends up screwing stuff up, overloads Widget, and she's like, "God, I, 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 I'm, I still think we were in the right. We were right to take in Technic." She says to Brian because he's like, "I don't want to say I told you so." She's like, I'm going downstairs to take a nap. Yeah, she's she's very mad at this situation, and she's going to have to replace all this hardware. And oh, you're just a menace. But yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, like while Kitty might be disappointed in this situation, ultimately she knows that the right thing to do was to bring these folks in, and she'll deal with it. Um, I maybe just kind of another juxtaposition of like, hey, I can get mad at a situation, but kind of get over it pretty quickly. Whereas, kind of throughout this entire issue, it's just about Brian carrying his anger. Um, yeah. So, again, good character development, good uh, world building. Meanwhile, Brian spots body bags sneaking to where Kitty is sleeping, and uh, he thinks that body bag is sucking up Kitty's body. Yeah. <laughs> but it turns out to be Kitty's teddy bear, which is pretty upsetting. And Kitty's really disappointed in this. Uh, and me, but meanwhile, uh, Scatterbrand continues to just like follow and hang off of uh, Captain Britain here. You're just acting concerned, so I'll say it was a mistake to let the tech net stay. Blazes to your silly toy! I dropped my book and lost my page. Yeah. So again, he's just—he's not being very sensitive here. Silly! It was a gift from Alistair. Let me examine the composite. Pharaoh squared takes it and tries to. Uh, he says something about how it's made of nylon, which is a good thing because uh, body, bag. body bag is is allergic to a poly- to polymers, and Captain Breton's like nylon is a polymer. Yeah, and that's when we get the bathroom uh, of well, the title. Body and- bag bloats up and is frothing at the mouth. Runs to the bathroom. Um, and probably throws up or something. But it's a large throom, and it explodes the bathroom now, and there's water everywhere. The toilet's overflowing, and 
Yeah. And Bodybag comes out with the toilet ring around his head. Yep. Glurble, slurble, slurble. He doesn't look so well. Um, Pharaoh 2 says, two entities materialize there, transformed into energy, and blasted out through the window. So I guess Bodybag did that? Or or is Bodybag lying? Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Is- it's devastated. You're making stupid excuses when the only bathroom is 17 miles away. Totally devastated. So Bodybag is lying. Just making stuff up and Pharaoh is translating it. But really, it's yeah. Bodybag puked everywhere and blew out the bathroom. We were crazy to take you in. Brian was right. Brian, you were right. But Brian's already gone. It's too late, Kitty. I was right. <laughs> You're on your own. I've got a book to read. Right. Uh, he comes up. He comes into a dark room, probably towards the bottom of the very bottom of the uh, the lighthouse, where the accountant, I think, numbers. Oh yeah, it says numbers and the dragon. The dragon. I don't remember, but I'm assuming this is something that they pulled from another world that was previously connected to Lockheed somehow. I don't remember numbers or dragon, to be honest. I remember numbers. Numbers was in the last issue. He was there. He was the crazy gang, or not the crazy gang, the Technet's accountant. Oh, okay. And he kind of just stood around while they were all fighting. But uh, apparently they're hooking up numbers and the dragon. The dragon does sort of look like Nightcrawler, but a more of a full-size version. I guess. Yeah. Ladylike. Brian's a little embarrassed. He's like, well, oh, all right, uh, you know, backs out of the out of the room, turns the light off, closes the door. And then bumps into Scatterbrain again. He's like, why are you following me? And someone, let's see, China Doll, yep. tells him that shouting is effort wasted. Uh, let's see, your anger, she savers, radiated emotional energy is Scatterbrain food. Unusual appetite, I agree, but to each their own taste. And she starts eating what looks like a bag of rotting meat. It's mm-hmm. like a chicken bone, I guess, from the garbage. Yeah, it's pulling cov- it out of the garbage. Covered in maggots. Ugh. So that's why Scatterbrain's been following Brian around. He's just seething with anger, and this is just this is just delicious food for Scatterbrain. Uh, but he he's he's that's it. He throws his book on the ground. He's like, I'm gonna go to my place in London. I'm out. Yep. Uh, but he steps into the Noel Grav elevator, which is they were something they were working on. Technet and I guess uh, Megan were working on earlier. And it causes him to go out of control, fly up to the very top of the, or somewhere in the night in the in the lighthouse, and basically destroy the Noel Grav projector. Brian, look out! I can't contain it. Says Rachel, I think. Yep. So, and part of this is exacerbated because Brian flew into the Noel Grav thing, so he's got sort of like double propulsion up into. Into yeah. the device. Crashes, lands on his head. It's all dusty. Uh, Nightcrawler uh, knocks Megan out of the way so that when Brian comes to and through the dust, it kind of looks like Nightcrawler and Megan are getting very intimate. But really what it is is Nightcrawler's just like, you all right, right? And this crazy thing just happened. So Brian loses it, pushes Megan out of the way, and punches Nightcrawler right in the face, which we know that Brian's got accelerated or augmented strength i feel like this would have just taken nightcrawler's head off but maybe maybe he's pulling his punches a little bit probably 
Uh, so they, they they fight basically, uh, and and Nightcrawler does not have augmented strength, but he's very um, acrobatic and athletic. So he's able to use Brian's momentum to flip him over and stuff, and and basically hold his own in this fist fight uh, that they're having. Should we break it up? Says Kitty. This has been brewing for a long time. It's out in the open now. There has to be a resolution. Says Rachel. Why are they fighting? Says uh, Megan. And uh, Technet says uncouth macho barbarism. I think again. That's uh, what did I say it was before? Chinadel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not uh, now. Scatterbrain. Scattergrain gets elbowed in the nose. Yep. Pud. Because she's getting too close, she wants to feed off of this anger. But as Nightcrawler, or as Brian goes to punch Nightcrawler, elbows her in the face. She goes down on the ground. They continue to fight. Uh, Pharaoh squared and the thug. They're kind of rooting, rooting this fight on. Um, Megan slowly begins to realize that they're fighting over her. Please stop them. They're hurting each other. They head outside of the night, uh, the lighthouse. I always want to say the nighthouse, and that's because of Nightcrawler. Uh, they're outside. They're throwing rocks around. They're at the foot of the lighthouse. They're uh, fighting, fighting, fighting. Megan shows up and says, stop it. I don't understand why you're doing this. You're meant to be friends. Rachel said you're fighting over me, but I'm not a thing. Nobody can own me. I gave my heart to you, Brian, and I love my friends like a family. You made me feel safe. You're all so much cleverer than I am. I thought you understood. And then she takes off. I can't control my powers. I got to go think. Yeah, my powers make me something uh, I'm not uh, like the people I'm with and what they want me to be. I can't control it. I don't even know what I should really look like. I can't remember my parents, my real family. You made me feel safe, etc. I got to go think. She flies off. And stop. Rachel says, uh, I'm going to go after her. You stay here. Uh, Nightcrawler broke his ankle, so Kitty's got to go get some medical equipment. But basically, the the women are just like, you two really messed up, and we're we're going to go and take care of the situation, as we do. Um, yeah. And this gives Brian and Nightcrawler a, a, a really touching moment to kind of now talk through what's been happening. And we get a little bit of backstory around... Um, uh, Brian's anger he's basically said like he's always sort of been in control of his life he was always solo and now that he's been part of this team with Excalibur and he's got a girlfriend Megan like now things are kind of out of control and that makes him feel a little bit angry Nightcrawler's basically like you know what uh, Megan's really attractive um, I'll have to admit uh, I'm not in love with her but but she makes me feel good but you got to realize that's also part of her empathic powers uh, which is not in her control and, and can't really be controlled by other people. Um, but I know that she loves you and you love her and, you know, I'm doing my best. My, he says that his dream is a penance and acceptance of guilt and shame. I fear my weakness. Brian accepts that. He says he's sorry. But yeah. then he, he is uh, very quickly taken away in the middle of this tender moment by what looks like some sort of Captain Britain force thing. You are breaking, you're guilty of breaking morality code, something, paragraph, something, and are summoned for immediate court martial on Otherworld. You're not taking me anywhere, and then he's gone. Yep. Meanwhile, in another plane of existence, we cut to that guy. Yeah, I don't really care about any of this until it starts mattering. But basically, this is Kylon. Kylon, that's right. We've seen before. We have. And... He uh, and I know we saw him last issue. 
He is rescuing Satinine, who I'm assuming is some sort of other world version of Saturnine. Must be. Um, and he's rallying the people, and there's some sort of revolution going on, and I don't really know what's going on yet. But I'm not supposed to. Right. So I'm sure this is going somewhere. Looking forward to it when it gets there, but couldn't care less until it does. Yeah, I'm sure this story will converge with whatever's happening with Captain Britain getting kidnapped. Uh, Maybe. But yeah, you're right. It's kind of like, well, out of nowhere, this other story with these other people and this other plane of existence that is pretty foreign. So it's hard to get into what's happening. But yeah, he saves somebody and that's probably important. Yeah. I mean, Saturnine will somehow connect to Saturnine and she's pretty powerful. So we'll see. But other than that, it was, it was a solid issue. Uh, yeah. I don't know if uh, Alan Davis had extra time to work on this issue, but like the artwork is just top notch. And then, you know, he's also writing and the, the just the pacing and the resolution, the bringing depth to like why we've been seeing the things that we've been seeing, um, having a realistic explanation. It's all good stuff. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah. Clap, clap, clap. It's uh, it's much better than the two-part we're about to cover. Yeah, I mean, just turn it off now because everything's just going to get a whole lot worse. Um, yeah. Um, Spider-Man number 16 is a sideways issue, which is probably the greatest thing about it. Ugh. Um, Makes it a pain. X-Force number four is also a side. This is, was a gimmick. Yeah. And uh, it was a neat gimmick at the time. It's kind of neat. I... um hung these two issues up in my room as I hung up most of my issues in my room on the wall. Did you hang these up sideways? Of course I did. Now, I am going to imagine that the spines of both of these issues are probably completely ruined because of how I would have to take them off the wall whenever I wanted to read them. But, <laughs> um, And I probably read these issues, you know, a fair amount of times. I, I got to, I mean, geez, this... I don't even know where to begin. Um, the Spider-Man in this cover, uh, look, I like this Spider-Man. I've always liked Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man and his webs, but man, X-Force just looks terrible. Yeah, he's not at the top of his game in this issue, with the exception of Spider-Man. But yeah, even Juggernaut in this issue oh. comes and goes, and mostly goes. It's just awful. Um, uh, Spider-Man is saying bye, Todd, because this is Todd McFarlane's last issue, and it kind of feels like he's a little bit checked out. Uh, he's probably focusing on image and oh, spawn yeah. and yeah, all yeah. that stuff. And it shows in this first panel, this is a a two-page sideways spread uh, um, of Spider-Man, and it's a terrible... So right away, you can tell, like, I'm going to fill two pages with a pretty terrible Spider-Man drawing. <laughs> uh, two down. <laughs> Only however many to go. 18 more to go. I think the no. I think the next one's also a double sized spread. I well, because since we're reading this in Marvel Unlimited, I can't remember which of these pages you know is what? actually sideways and which ones are two page spreads. Yeah, I think page one is it's just a sideways. Is just issue. sideways, and page two is a double page spread of Juggernaut. That sounds right. Anyways, it's it's not good. Yeah, um, you would think his Juggernaut would be, but he's always kind of struggled with regular folks. So Juggernaut's eyes are huge. Yes, and I don't mind. I don't mind that. I don't mind the huge mouth, the huge eyes. It's just uh, he can't tell where one thing starts and one thing ends. Like, where are his legs? Uh, 
His muscles all look contorted. He's just gigantic. Special uh, assist by Rob Liefeld. What does Rob Liefeld do? You know, his hands, actually, I, I, I mean, if you separate everything else and just kind of look at those fingers, those are good fingers. They're very large. A lot, a lot of good detail in the thumbnails and the knuckles and stuff. Um, I would bet you that uh, Rob Liefeld plotted this or maybe helped out with some of the background Excalibur stuff. I don't know. Like, for example, I feel like this juggernaut in the foreground is Todd McFarlane. The Spider-Man in the background, I feel like that might be Rob Liefeld, like, filling something in. <laughs> I don't know. Can't can't really tell because it's not a great Spider-Man. Yeah, that's true. And when we get into the X Force issue, ugh. <laughs> ugh, it's it's not good. It's not good, but it's also not like it doesn't. I don't know the the last couple like X Force is not my cup of tea to be honest. But at least the last four issues were kind of <laughs> humorous. Yeah, I mean they're I mean, interesting. There there's stuff. I wouldn't say the story's great, but at least they're readable. It's like, oh, there's interesting things happening here. Oh, I got Black Tom bringing back Juggernaut. That's kind of neat. Uh, you know, I don't know. This this was just this is senseless and stupid. Um, I, I don't even really know that there's much to cover other than, like, they just the, fight Juggernaut. The gist of it is that Spider-Man has fought Juggernaut before, so he has right. some sort of insight, if you will. Insight into what to do, whereas X-Force just doesn't really have much I, they're poorly written in this too look like at page he doesn't he like todd mcfarlane doesn't get x-force which there's not much to get look at page six uh six of 20 where it's basically in the foreground is a giant juggernaut hand which is yeah. okay that's fine uh but then you look at warpath and he just looks silly <laughs> just looks silly they all look like Someone's trying to fit them into the panel under the hand. Yeah. Like Shatterstar is literally drawn yeah. underneath the hand and so that you can see him. And that's not a good idea. Ferals to the left, just below the hand. Uh, it's, oh, and then the next page with Cannonball and his big wide mouth and then Juggernaut and his big giant teeth. It's. Why do they both have gray gums? It's. Uh, well, I, I'm not going to bl blame Todd McFarlane for that. That's clearly a coloring issue. But um, I almost wonder if this was like Todd McFarlane giving the middle finger to Marvel of like, I'm going to turn in the most ridiculous artwork for my last issue. This juggernaut smiling is both kind of great and terrible at the same time. <laughs> it's kind of great. Like if you were going to do this whole fighting thing in Mojoverse... It's kind of like an anime style thing. Right. If the whole series or this whole issue kind of yeah, had... Yeah, it doesn't have to be the series, just this issue. Had this sort of surreal, let's just say Black Tom cast a spell and everything became weird and surreal and they had to fight through this weird surreal thing. Then if everything's in this style of this juggernaut smile, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's a good idea. But I don't I, even think there needs to be a story point to it. The whole issue could just be in this style. I'd be fine with that, with no explanation. Um, but it's it's just inconsistent. The other thing, and this is definitely more of a Rob Liefeld issue, but it looks like Todd McFarlane's taking a page out of it. You don't know where anybody is. Like, There's very few backgrounds. Yeah, we know that they're at the foot of the World Trade Centers, but we don't. We there are no establishing shots. 
to show what kind of no. situation they're fighting in. Uh, early on, we get sort of the top of the World Trade Center, which has been blown up. Um, yeah. I don't know if I call that an establishing shot or just this is it what happens. It sets a location, but yeah, yeah, it's not really it doesn't really establish anything because that's not where we are. Cable is uh, okay. This is uh, I guess cable and everybody are still up at the top of the building. Cable, Siren, Domino, and Gideon. Oh my gosh, and Cable. <laughs> it just, just looks terrible. He's also written terribly. Doesn't help. No. Um, this panel is all right where uh, we're back on the ground and Juggernaut. Juggernaut's all right, and some of the members of X-Force are fighting them. Again, Warpath doesn't look terrific, but Feral and Shatterstar look okay. Uh, uh. <laughs> I prefer the Warpath over the Shatterstar. Shatterstar looks like he's... And his butt's just hanging straight up in the air as he's flipping over Juggernaut. Uh, you're right, the Feral's good, though. But it looks like Feral's attacking Warpath, kind of from that perspective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Juggernaut's good, though. I like, I like well, the Juggernaut. Well, she's got one arm around Juggernaut's arm, so maybe she's to be getting tossed. D- does she? Yeah. Uh, oh, I guess, yeah, you're right. The The right arm there. Yeah. <laughs> But again, no. I mean, we got some rubble on the ground and really no background. Um, so meanwhile, Spider-Man's kind of watching all this, and he's just seeing Juggernaut basically take out X-Force. And he's like, okay, look, Juggernaut's hard. He's a, he's a tough foe. I've fought him a few times, but we got to be strategic about this. You've got to admire those kids, Juggies, wiping the floor with them, and they keep coming back. Maybe they're just stupid. Nailed it. <laughs> well, yeah, um, yeah. I would say that Spider-Man or Spider-Man's not even all that well written in this issue and he's going to be horribly written in the next in the X-Force issue. Yeah, which is weird because Fabian Nicieza is not terrible. Oh, yeah, I kind of chalked it up to Rob Liefeld, but he didn't Maybe. Write, he didn't write the words. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Now there's an argument, who cares? <laughs> this page is <laughs> between, actually between all Cable right. and Siren. This page is actually all right. This page looks like Probably what they spent the most amount of time on. Gideon looks good. Professor Xavier is there for some reason. But what? Now, and now he's got a ponytail. Oh. <laughs> but Gideon. Yeah. Uh, this page, and well, maybe it's just because it pops because of the black background. Maybe that's why I think it looks better than the other backgrounds, which have a white background. Uh, and I've always been a fan of like, that last panel where it's just like silhouetted characters. I always like that. It's a good touch. Yeah. But um, yeah, they're arguing about what they're going to do next. Yep. And it's it's dumb, so <laughs> we're going to skip over it. Spider-Man uh, shoots Juggernaut in the face. Well, you, you missed the panel where uh, they just decided to stop filling in Juggernaut, and they don't even ink him. They just give him this little shadow effect. I don't mind that because that's stylistic, and uh, I'm okay with, you know, it could, it could be chalked up to laziness, but at least it's somewhat different. I, the whole issue of X-Force is colored really strangely like this, and I kind of like it because it's at least a style that's consistent throughout the issue. Right. This isn't a consistent thing that happens. It's, it just, to me, feels like, well, I spent all the time with Spider-Man shooting Juggernaut in the eyes and Juggernaut falling over. Eh, I'm just going to draw kind of the top of his head and a little bit of his legs and uh, let the colorist figure out the rest. Yeah. I mean, I gotta, I gotta imagine he, like, if you've ever seen uh, 
penciled art. They sometimes draw like X's over all the stuff that they just want shaded in. Yeah. No, I haven't, but I so believe that. I don't, I don't know if that's, you know, done purposely. He's like, well, I'm just going to let the, the shader take this in. Yeah. I got, I got to get over to image. Boom, boom shows up for no reason other than maybe Todd McFarlane wants to draw her. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, she opens up a door from the spaceship, I guess. And she doesn't really do much of anything. She says, now I'm mad. <laughs> she says, and then she says, oh, never mind. Which, yeah, comes out of Thanks nowhere. Thanks for the distraction, chick, says Juggernaut. Yeah, she comes out of nowhere, says she's mad, and then she's like, oh, this is way too adult of a situation for me. Yeah. Oh, and then we get a big one-page spread of... A silly, sneering cable. I'm betting this is another one of those two-page sideways spreads. Probably. It's pretty bad, though. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You're right. It's a two-page spread. Um, it's just his upper lip. Um, everything else, I mean, it's it's not good. It, there's a lot of proportion problems, but just from the, the spectacle of like, look at this giant picture of Cable, it kind of works for me. It's just that sneering lip kind of ruins everything for me. It feels like Rob Liefeld drew this Cable and Todd McFarlane filled in the, the head. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe Rob Liefeld helped on the art a little bit. Maybe. Who knows? We'll yeah. never know. All we have is assist by Rob Liefeld to go on. And that might be art. And it might be, I don't know, characterization of X-Force. What would Cable do in this situation, Rob? Ah, uh, well, he'd be badass about it. So I guess Cable shoots. I don't even know what, because Cable does is like, oh, it's going to happen now. But then... Every time we cut back to Cable, nothing happens. Right. It's it's basically like they're arguing about who's going to do what. Oh, he's not leaving the ship. They're still in the top of the World yeah, Trade Center. They're, okay. they're still at the top of the World Trade Center, and they're just arguing about who's going to go after Black Tom, and nobody's actually doing it. And now Cable is actually doing it after saying he was going to do it in the last three times that we cut back to him. Right. So it's just like this is... So then we cut back down to the ground. Boom, boom. I guess she does do something. She has a huge time bomb that I guess distracts Juggernaut long enough for Shatterstar to swing in, and he's got a ooh, a really terrible face there. Uh, but I love how... Well, Shatterstar's face is terrible, but I love Juggernaut's face. Yeah, I don't mind it's, this one. It's bad, but again, it's bad enough that it's weirdly stylized. Like, it's not it's not a bad drawing. This is a choice. Oh, yeah. And it's a decent... It's it's definitely a weird choice, but I like it because of how weird it is. I like it too. I'm uh, like um, his his eyes are pretty much flat line with the mask at this point. Right. Like and, it's 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 like there's no there's no depth happening here. And then his mouth is super wide open. There's a bunch of saliva in his teeth, and then you just see his tongue poking out. His tongue poking out. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. And then, uh, Shatterstar stabs him through the eyes. Yeah. I think he just stabs one eye. Well, one eye, but then Juggernaut's like, like, I heal. So yeah, he's like, I have magic and it protects me. I heal really fast, which is not a thing I was aware of. Well, I guess it's a thing now. Uh, I I mean, it kind of makes sense. He's got, cause he, we we know he has magic cause he's got the Sidorax or whatever. Yeah, I've always kind of taken him more as just in, just generally uh, invulnerable. Like Wolverine yeah. could try to stab him in the arms and 
and maybe it just kind of glance off of his body, but he wouldn't pierce through it. But uh, I guess he just heals super fast, and he's even like, okay. I can already feel like it, it working. There, I can see again. Oh, I just regrew an eyeball. All right, now I'm mad. <laughs> he runs into a building, and the building falls on the heroes. I'm not sure if this is one of the World Trade Towers or not, because we don't really get any wide shots. No, I have no idea. I but mean, literally, Black uh, or uh, Juggernaut just knocked over a building in New York City. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, he in another ridiculous panel, he starts laughing about it, and we get the, another gigantic mouth, which. I got to imagine Todd McFarley is just like, I'm just going to draw this insane juggernaut. And I, you know, good for him. This is the only thing that works for me. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fine. It's ridiculous. It's fine. He's laughing and laughing and laughing. We see some rubble collapse. We see a rock fall to the ground and then something explodes. Must be boom, boom, casting a bomb. Oh, because he dropped the building on... X-Force on the heroes, Spider-Man, and but they escaped, and so now but we they're get okay. Yet another two-page spread of all of them emerging from the collapsed building, uh, and somebody, Spider-Man, I guess he says. Spider-Man well, does all the talking on this page. Well, now okay. he's talking in X-Force quips. Now, now you've made me mad. Okay, X-Force, I'm running this party. If you want to stop him, I'll show you how to do it with pleasure. I'm imagining he says with pleasure. To all of you readers of the past few years, thanks. It's been a blast. Todd McFarlane. TM out. Uh, be back here next issue for the death of Spider-Man, which we yeah. won't. I think uh, unless it unless it I think some of those early uh, Eric Larson issues. No, it looks like that one has Thanos, so we're probably not going to cover that one. Yeah, that one's a but, total filler issue. Uh, then I think there's a Venom thing, uh, and then a Sinister Six thing, and then I stop paying attention. Okay. Um, Boom Boom is drawn pretty well, but I and Spider-Man, of course, is drawn pretty well, I think. But uh, everybody else has just got goofy faces, especially Shatterstar. <laughs> I mean, some of these faces have a Mad Magazine tone to them. <laughs> Because they almost look like characters of these characters, right? I could imagine uh, Don Heck, or whatever his name was, drawing these. Yeah, that's true. As a parody of of it. Um, or uh, Shatterstar kind of has a, a, a Beavis vibe going on with his mouth. <laughs> Which would be fine if that were the, the <laughs> consistent style of the issue. But it's just... It's just I don't know. Make up your mind beforehand. No, this 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 issue is all over the place. Like he definitely decided I'm going to do some wacky juggernaut stuff. And maybe he should have been like, you know, I'm just going to make the whole issue wacky. He could have. Right. It's the last issue. They're not yeah. going to fire him. Yeah. Um, they're probably not going to have him redraw it. Right. Or like, give it to somebody else because yeah. it's Todd McFarlane. I think at this point, I think Spider-Man's probably selling like hotcakes. It's got to be. Uh, so he could have done. Although I would imagine as. We've read the first 10 issues. It's the sales are dwindling. You think so? I I think other than the art, this book has nothing to provide. Oh, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I was still collecting it, but I can't. I got to imagine some people are like, well, yeah, this isn't very good. So I'm just going to drop off. Maybe. Uh, it. I mean, we could pull sales stats, but I'm not going to do that. I feel like the speculator market is in full swing and people are just. Just buying yeah, all of these things. Could be right. And this is a sideway issues gimmick. So oh my this gosh, is probably yeah. 
selling Supp- through the roof. Suppliers is not polybagged with collectors' cards and all that stuff. It was was Spider Man one num- was Spider Man one polybagged? I think it, some of them were. I don't think so. But it didn't come with a card. Spider Man had Spider Man number one had a, a few different variant covers, like a normal, a silver, and a gold. The gold was obviously a second or a third printing. I feel like the silver was either a second printing or sort of a deliberate alternate variant. Uh, and as my as I can as I recall, the silver one was like the valuable one. I bought both of them on the newsstand, so I can't imagine it's it's worth like it. I, I think the silver and the the regular ones were both pretty common. My recollection is I ended up with an issue one as well, but I didn't end up with the valuable issue one, which I feel like was the silver one, but I could be wrong. It's been, I, it's been were a while. any of these actually valuable though? I mean, $10 or $15 maybe. I mean, at the time when you're getting an allowance of $5 a week and there's a issue that's worth $10, your your my, my mind anyways is like, it's only up from here. Yeah. Got to get out on the ground floor. Uh, what is it worth today? I would imagine it's probably worth $10, if that. I'm, I'm trying to look it up right now. Oh, yeah. You have, you've got the, what, the Zap Kapow comic yep. guide book? Zap Kapow, 1990s Spider-Man. That'll just tell you like what they think it's worth. I, I got to go out to eBay and find out what it's selling for. Oh, eBay doesn't tell you anything. eBay tells you what people uh, want it to be worth. No, you look up the uh... Zap Kapow is like a price guide. It's it's what what it's. I I don't know how they get their stats, but I'm assuming it's. Like the Overstreet Guide was back in the day. This is what these are what people are willing to pay for it. Okay, the the silver backed Spider Man is selling on eBay. I don't even look up what they're being sold for, uh, but the ask is uh, three bucks plus six dollars shipping. Okay, so that's that's. And if we look at sold items now, sold items is what I gauge value on. So yeah, yeah, of course. I got I got twelve dollars in Canada. I got a twenty seven dollar one. But it's not even graded. I got a graded one for two forty two nine point eight. So that makes sense. Uh, oh, and it's signed. That one's signed by Todd McFarlane too. Uh, Fifteen bucks. So I don't know. I'm gonna go with uh, anywhere between three and fifteen dollars. There was a bagged one. Was there? Yeah, the silver cover and the and the regular cover were bagged, were bagged. with a interesting number one collector's item, like label. It doesn't. It doesn't. I come any with anything in the bag just Are the comics sure? in the bag I, yeah i'm looking at all the variants okay. on zap kapow right now there there's a bag of the green cover there's a bag to the silver cover this is worth ten dollars and fifteen dollars the huh. silver cover is worth ten dollars the green cover is worth ten dollars okay. i'm looking for the gold cover i feel like the gold cover is not worth all that much because i think that one was a second or third printing um oh here we go gold ink four hundred dollars but this one's cgc graded nine point eight Okay, the gold is worth thirty dollars, oh, so it so must the... have been slightly more oh, rare than the okay. silver and the and the green. But there's a if you can if there's a there's a gold with a UPC cover, which I guess must be the newsstand edition. That's yep. worth two hundred dollars. That one's worth more. Yeah, because that oh. must be even more rare. There's an eight point CGC graded that's sold on eBay for six hundred and seventy five dollars. Wow, CGC eight uh, 8.0 that's not good at all and it's well it's signed by todd mcfarlane it's I mean, the I gold fine and it's got the upc so i think ah well all right there you go so i don't know what i have but i don't think it's bagged and i don't think it's gold 
I have the silver and I have, well, actually, I can, since I'm in Zap Kapow, I can see exactly what I have. I have two of the silver and one of the green. So I, I must have also thought, oh, the silver is going to be worth something. Well, uh, yeah, and I think that's early enough in the kind of variant covers life cycle that you're like, ooh, got to get all these. Because that's before uh, X-Men number one, where they just went bananas with yeah bags and cards and alternate covers. Five covers. And <laughs> cards and... Oh, gosh, I have probably 25 copies of that stupid issue. X-Men number one, I think I did have 25 copies. X-Force <laughs> number one, I think I bought five because I wanted to get one of each of the cards that were in there. Oh, yeah, I probably did the same thing. Somewhere I don't have it in Zap Kapow, but somewhere I've got a spreadsheet that lists all of my comic books. Um, so This issue that we just covered is worth $4. So that takes us to X-Force number four. Um, very typical cover, right? It's Big yeah. gun, whatever. Cable, Feral, Spider-Man, Domino. Sideways. Logo shouldn't be there. Uh, logo kind of ruins whatever sort of perspective he's trying to go for here. Yeah. The um, opening page of this issue does not follow the op- the final page of uh, Todd's issue. So we're missing a boom, boom. Uh, Spider-Man's in the wrong location. Shatterstar's basically in the front and uh, Warpath has got the biggest shoulder pads. The well, biggest. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then there's, yeah, there's Juggernaut, and he's he's all, he's, his, this is not a bad Juggernaut. No, the, he, he's got the wrong eye bled out, though. That's right. It's the, uh, it is the wrong eye. It's the opposite eye. So the note must have been like, oh, yeah, Shadowstar is going to stab out one of Juggernaut's eyes. Cool. And that was it. <laughs> you got a 50-50 shot at this, and I don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing I like about this issue is the coloring is weird. Like, everything is subtle. Like, it's it's not it's, the it, normal colors of a normal comic book. You're right. It's muted. It's a lot of browns and greens, and it doesn't pop. Juggernaut's costume is more brown than orange. I didn't even notice that. Uh, Spider-Man's got maybe some vibrant colors, but... You're right. Even, else even is his muted. shading is like a pink. Like he's almost more pink than red sometimes. Juggernaut? Uh, Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. Um, Which I, I like taking on whole since it's consistent. I like it. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is this is something new that's going on. Maybe uh, they probably are never going to do this again, but at least it's something new. But once again, I mean, even worse than the Todd McFarlane issues, you, there's no backgrounds. You have no idea where anything is. Um, and, uh, you know, the last issue was basically like, okay, X-Force, you had it your way. Now we're going to do it my way, which is everybody just attack. Yeah, everybody dogpile <laughs> on the juggernaut. That's the plan. Is a literal line from this comic book. And you would think that this could have been like the issue where it's like, you know, we'd do some strategy and some planning and Spider-Man maybe even in some quippy moments talks about like, okay, last time I fought him, you know, we did this and that and the other thing, but it's just dog pile on juggernaut. There is some strategy later in the issue, but I don't think Spider-Man has anything to do with it. Um, page uh, seven, the double page spread of Shatterstar uh, getting the um, fastball special, which I guess they've adopted uh, is really, really silly looking. And I know that yeah, they even say one fastball special in the chops coming up. Yeah, I mean they they've had access to the mansion files. They know what a fast, fastball special is. Wait, Domino's here now. Where did she come from? She is. Oh, she is. Yeah, she jumped down from the top of the building. 
<laughs> Scope it out, Domino. Nice to see your breathing. She's probably in the back of her mind like, look, uh, the men up there, they just can't decide what's happening. They just keep arguing. Cable ran off. So I just jumped down here. Uh, so I'm here to help. Great. Uh, but yeah, just, I don't know. It looks like, uh, does he stab him in the eyes again? No. Uh, what he ends up doing is finding the screws. Oh, right. On Juggernaut's helmet and using his swords to unscrew the helmet, which I don't know. I mean, it's kind of clever and kind of stupid. I guess he does also stab him in his other eye because now he's both yep. his eyes are bleeding. Yep. Yep. Or that's just a mistake. I, I don't know which. But um, I mean, that's how this usually boils down with Juggernaut is like we got to figure out a way to get his helmet off so that we can do something. And that's, that's what this is going to boil down to. Uh, meanwhile, Cable... Cable tracks down Black Tom, and Black Tom tries to negotiate with Cable, and he's like, you're not going to shoot me. Look at and this Cable picture, though. Cable shoots him. Which one? It's just the the first one where he's like, either way, I guess you're a dead man. Like, he's just bulbous. Because well, that that's not him. That's his armor. He's wearing his special bulbous armor. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the, the armor that just keeps changing size. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awful. It's Yeah. Um, Even the gun is phoned in. It's like a cylinder. Yep. Yeah, it kind of looks like a... Like and it, it changes in the next panel. It turns, so into, it turns into like a little pistol. <laughs> well, you know, off panel, he put his rifle, his, his cylindrical rifle away and pulled out his little tiny pistol. Or it's a transforming gun. Ooh, it's Megatron. It was doot, 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 doot. Yeah, he shoots, uh, shoots, and presumably kills Black Tom because I think what they're going for is like this is not your father's X Men team. Like, right. um, we're not going to put you in jail. We're not going to let you escape again. Like, you're dead. Boom, boom, boom. He goes falling down the elevator shaft. He's screaming, so he's not necessarily dead. But I guess the idea is that he'll splatter on the ground. Uh, well, he falls into the elevator shaft, and then he's hanging Obi Wan style. And he's he? like, "Yeah, you can't, you can't just kill me. Yeah, pull me up, and I'll be surrendering." And Cable's like, "Nope, I don't play that game, Cassidy." And then he shoots him. Right. And that's when he falls to his death. Well, except he gets to the bottom, and Deadpool's there. He's all like, "Hey, Mister Tolliver has you on his hit list. Stop bleeding on me." Does he? We don't know that he falls to the ground. We don't know where anybody is. Well, he falls and Deadpool catches him. It kind of looks like he's dead. Um, so I feel like Cable shot him in the face. But he's covering his mouth. Nightcrawler. Well, he not says, don't say a word. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize you can't. And then gross. I'm assuming it's because he's dead. Oh, all right. But I, I could be totally wrong about that. I mean, he is screaming on the way down. Yeah. Uh... Somebody who gets shot in the face. You don't go, ah. <laughs> right. And there's no indication, like, Deadpool could have teleported in, grabbed Black Tom, and teleported out. We don't know, based on any of these perspectives, who's doing what and where they are. But yeah, sure. Uh, Mr. Tolliver's got you on the hit list. Uh, stop bleeding on me, and, and off they go. I mean, I guess. it's comics, so you got to assume that he's alive. But it it seems to be pointing towards him dead. And it's sort of... if. If the whole point of this is that Cable kills people, whereas nobody ever kills people, then it's sort of stupid to take that away immediately after you point it out. <laughs> I don't know. But it also looks like Deadpool has got his arm around uh, Black Tom covering his mouth in a sort of don't say a word type thing. 
even though he says, yeah. I didn't realize you can't gross, which I don't know what that means. You're dead. I'm, I'm holding a corpse. Well, if he's holding a corpse, then who cares if Mr. Tolliver has him on his hit list? And what is a hit list? I don't know. Whatever. Well, maybe he's like, I can, I can say that I killed him and collect the bounty or something. Maybe. Who knows? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So back on the ground, Juggernaut is fighting uh, X. Siren's there now. Siren is there now. She, I guess, they're slowly making their way to the ground somehow. Uh, in a plane or a helicopter above the building, um, who's the who's this other guy? What's his name? Bridge. Bridge. Colonel Bridge. Yeah, he's Washington Bridge. He's Bridge like, Washington. I don't know what his name is. He's like, we gotta take Cable down. Now's our chance. <laughs> Siren shows up and pulls Juggernaut's head off, or uh, head off, pulls his helmet off. Because, as I said, he was Shatterstar was pulling the screws off of the helmet, mm-hmm. which I guess I feel like this has been done before. So, oh yeah, maybe maybe this is clever. I don't know. It's stupid that Juggernaut has screws on his helmet. Yeah, I don't care how many times it's been done before. That's stupid. Oh, yeah, I I would love to see the scene of him like screwing his helmet onto his armor <laughs> in the morning. Like, oh, gotta get my helmet screwed onto my 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 shoulders. Uh, this is a, a tactic that the X Men have employed in the past, and I think when the X Men did it, it was it was clever, right? Because they needed to get the helmet off, but then he had also a skull cap. They had to get the skull cap off, and then Rachel could hit him with, or Psylocke, one of the two, could hit him with um, telepathy. But that's not what they're going to do here because there's no telepaths on this team. So he lost the skull cap. Yeah, no skull cap here. They just pulled the helmet off. And he's like, he's really mad. He's like, how'd you get that thing off me? It's bon- It's mystically bonded to my armor. Well, is it mystically bonded to his armor or is it screwed on? I guess it could be both. It could be mystic screws. Shatterstar explains my blades were forged in a dimension of magic and science. So more than capable of slicing through your helmet moorings earlier. More than capable of slicing your head off. Uh, yeah, that's it. Legs first, no ankles, then fingers. I don't know what this means. Or maybe jaws first, just so I'll shut jaws. So I guess he's talking about breaking bones. Yeah, and then Cable shows up and says stuff, a lot of stuff. Oh, and he's he's getting all... closer and closer to the camera, like, this is gonna be it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, and Deadpool kind of shows up. I, where is Deadpool coming from? If If Juggernaut is on the ground, where is Deadpool? He's sneaking up his ankle. <laughs> I on on the one hand, I sort of is he standing in front of a sewer grate? Well, hang on a second. The, uh, before uh, the one thing I I will give this credit for is it doesn't really belabor the fight between Juggernaut and Cable. Juggernaut just or Cable just walks up is like I'm just going to shoot you and kill you. I'm tired of this. But then you, before he can blow his head away. Uh, let's just say Deadpool is climbing out of the sewer and touching Juggernaut to teleport him away. Okay. Or he's uh, army crawling on the ground and nobody sees him. Perspective-wise, we don't know. <laughs> because if you go back two pages... Just imagine him slithering on the ground. Go back two pages <laughs> before uh, Cable shows up. Juggernaut looks to be standing on a hill? He's like on a little hill. Yeah. Uh, what is that hill made of? Well, little, not even hash mark, uh, just some, some pattern. I, I don't know what he's... What so he's... it's a mound of dirt. Or maybe that's supposed to be cement. It's a cement hill. Okay. It's a cement hill. And, and behind that cement hill, he's not there yet, is Deadpool just waiting for the moment to teleport him away. Um, 
And so, yeah, says, hey, I killed Black Tom. Tell tell me, tell me how you can how you plan to die, Kane, and I'll tell you how good a fortune teller you are. What a good line. Spider-Man does not do much in this issue at all. They teleport away, like you said, and Cable says he teleported away. Why do they all teleport away? In, out, in, out. Can't even end a decent fight anymore. (laughs) Spider-Man is there. (laughs) Spider-Man is there. Uh, Colonel Bridge shows up. He's like, you're all under arrest. And so now... And then Cable's team teleports away. Yeah, in, out, in, out. Why can't they have a decent fight anymore? What the heck? Uh, Somebody's like, what about Spider-Man? And they're like, yeah, he's fine. Nobody cares about him. Am I in trouble now? And they fly off in their little... Their little X Force ship, scout ship, body slide by eight, uh, HS gene scan only. So I guess that's mutant genes. Yeah, maybe. Um, uh, uh, Cannonball's like, what is that guy? Who is that guy? What does he have against you? What does he have against all of us? Uh, or what do you all have against? What do they all have against you? Cable doesn't know. Good question. I wish you knew the. I knew <laughs> the answer. I wish you'd tell me what you know. Says Cable. Everyone strap in and shut up. <laughs> we walked away from it. We walked the fight. away from it. They ran away from it. Leave it at that. Now, yeah. let me enjoy turning on the afterburners. Let's blow this claw bake, claw, clam bake, clam bake and yep. go home. Fushoom. Next, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants returns. I can't wait to see what Rob Liefeld is going to do with the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Oh, I remember ridiculous uh, blob pictures. <laughs> just, just out-of-control blob issues. And then we get the best thing about this issue, which is the Mike Mignola pinup. It, which is pretty good. It's it's Everybody looks kind of cool in this. It's, I mean, at least everybody's got form and... and Love the sideways cannonball. Good, good sideways cannonball. They're standing on top of burning buildings. I don't know what's happening on the bottom here, but it's either like dead bodies or broken apart mannequins. Yeah, there's weird statues, it looks like. Like Mike Mignola is trying to uh, drum up some sort of, I don't know, maybe days of future past or just some other apocalyptic scene here. And it's working. One thing I'll say is uh, I look at Cable's gun and I'm like, that looks realistic. I see a scope. I see a barrel. I see some clips. Uh, Whereas you look at the guns that we saw in this issue, it's just like, oh, they're just basically silver formless guns with really no detail. So, boy, this was... This was something. This is really bad. It's <laughs> really bad. bad. Uh, Deathlock number five. You know, they it's kind of set this up to have X-Men in it, and it kind of does, but it really doesn't. Yeah. Uh, Wolverine, Storm, and Jubilee are here with the Fantastic Four and Vision facing a bunch of Doombots, and uh, they do some fighting, but they don't really do much of anything. Yeah, and they put it in a very specific time period. Uh, so this is many months earlier than where we're currently at with the X-Men because they're wearing their yellow uniforms. Yeah. Uh, and I think Storm's got short hair. She might still be a kid. Maybe not. I don't think she's a kid, but yeah, she does have short hair. I mean, there are some mistakes here. I think when, when, you, when they cut out to the shot of the Doombots surrounding him, Mr. Fantastic is nowhere to be found. And in the previous panel, Human Torch had been in fire form, and now he's in regular form. Not sure why you would turn that off. So this artist is not very consistent by himself. Don't know who this is. Yeah. Uh, is Dennis that, Cohen. Yeah, it's not the normal um, 
Dwayne McDuffie. Dwayne McDuffie. Does he normally write pencil? It? I don't. I think so. I might be wrong about okay. that though. Um. At any rate, uh, no, he's the writer. Uh, I can't remember who who. Is Jackson Juice? Isn't Jackson it? Juice. That's who it is. The whole thing is basically um, Deathlock is able to, I guess, get through to this artificial intelligence thing and kind of convince him, like, hey, there's a better way forward. Uh, but Ultron, who's also been a part of this thing, is like, I'm really angry, and he storms off, uh, but then immediately comes back after they've kind of made a pact to protect this artificial intelligence and, and kind of show him that, that he can, you know, I don't know. He can be good. He can be better. all the all the people that he community uh, kidnapped are part of the cyber community, and he should also be part of the cyber community. And everybody's like, "Yeah, that makes sense." We don't let's not kill him. Let's let's bring him into our fold. Yep, Mister Fantastic then, yeah. does a little bit of you know sciency stuff to kind of you know take away the the bad circuits and kind of leave him uh, with a possible future. And Ultron immediately shows up, is like no, and blasts him, and then disappears. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it's not a very satisfying ending to this story. Um, and I also kind of realized that Deathlock's little little recliner ship is kind of stupid looking. <laughs> and he, he uses this. Um, I mean, he basically just sits in a chair uh, and flies around in this thing. And I I'm okay with that. That's kind of cool. <laughs> it's it's silly. It's very silly. It's a, it's a choice. Um, so, yeah, it's... I don't, it was uh, is Forge even in this issue? He is in a couple of panels. Just oh, there I don't he think is. he says anything. He just kind of stands there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's unconscious at one point. I've seen at least two or three. But yeah, you're right. He oh no, he does say something. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's there. They wake him up. They save him. So that that, that happened, I guess. That's over. <laughs> Deathlock is over. <laughs> Wasn't Deathlock uh, goes back to doing Deathlock stuff. Yeah, I I even remember when this story was coming out because you know again I wanted to be a Deathlock fan. I like the idea of you know, he's got kind of that sort of a Terminator vibe uh, or half man half machine vibes with my Silver Hawks fandom thing like things like that. But I remember this story and just being like ugh. Mm-hmm. But it didn't make me stop uh, collecting. I I collected for at least another I don't know seven or eight issues. Um, got to collect the next one. It's got the Punisher. I, I'm sure I read it. I'm sure. I don't remember it, but I read it. Uh, so Excalibur World War Three. Well, did you read the Marvel Comics Presents seventy nine? Uh, sure, but I got to open up another app for that. <laughs> oh, sorry. So, <laughs> no, that's fine. Hold on, hold on. That one should be quick, but I also didn't read it because my other app doesn't work. So uh, it is quick, <laughs> and it's not very good. It's got Sunspot. I know that because it says that in the notes. Uh, Sunspot recognizes or recognizes saves the life of Christina Aguilar. Oh, not to be confused with Christina Aguilera. Oh, a very strange name of a character who would become a pop star in the future. I don't um, know that that I mean that real person doesn't exist. What a what a, what a weird coincidence. Yeah, it's very strange. Maybe maybe Christina Aguilera's parents were um, Marvel Comics Presents fans. I, I mean, she wasn't popular in the 90s, so she wasn't like, it's not, it's just a coincidence. Did she exist in the 90s? I thought she was younger or older. I mean, she was alive. Well, like. But she wasn't a pop singer. Right. I don't think she was a popular uh, pop singer until the 2000s. Yeah, okay. So she might have been like 10 years old or something. Anyways. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a coincidence. It's interesting. 
Uh, so she's getting married, but she can't find her wedding ring. But so Sunpot uh, is a friend of the family or something. That's not really clear. Christina uh, Aguilera is 42 years old. That makes sense. I would have thought she was uh, younger than that. So people, uh, you know, age. Yeah, she was absolutely a teenager, uh, 12 or 13 at this time. Anyways, carry on. Uh, so, so mostly Sunspot is in this issue to mope about being a mutant. It's oh. pretty irritating. Uh, the family is bringing, harboring him, and then a bunch of thugs show up, and they have anti-mutant sentiment, sentiment. So they're like, "Oh, it's a mutie loving dinner," and so they trash the place. But Sunspot handily beats them and discovers that they have the girl's Christina Aguilera's wedding ring, and um, saves the day. And then everybody is happy, except for Christina Aguilera's sister, who's like, "Nobody's paying attention to me because." Christina Aguilera is getting married and I'm I'm having to serve the food and I'm young and I hate it. And Sunspot's like, well, at least you're not a mutant. You'll grow up to be beautiful and you'll marry. Not me. Everybody hates mutants. And then she's like, shut up. And he's like, I'm going to go. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> oh, well, you got to fill pages somehow. Yeah, it's 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 a pointless story that just features Sunspot moping hardcore doesn't even listen to this little girl when she's like, my feelings matter as much to me as your problems do to you. Do you understand that? And he's like, I don't belong here. I got to go. <laughs> well, um, Weird War 3, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Was it good? It was all right. Um, it goes back to that alternate universe yeah. where the Nazis are in control of the Marvel Universe sort of thing. Yeah. The, uh, some cross time parallel dimension thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they basically go back to that and they discover that uh, Hitler's right hand man is Charles Xavier in this world. So that's kind of cool. Except Charles Xavier is planning to overthrow Hitler with his his he's got two teams. He's got the lightning brigade, which is Excalibur. And then he's got the Reichsmen, which is the X-Men. Right. And that's fun. The. The trouble I had with this issue is that I I read about with some number one it's sixty two pages. It is very long. It's too many pages. <laughs> it's too many. But it's a graphic novel, so I mean, if you bought it, you know what you're getting into. <sighs> you got to keep them graphic novels down to like forty eight pages tops. <laughs> I mean, sixty two. I started reading this and I was like, God, why, nothing's happening. And I looked at the page count. I was like, Oh my God, I'm never going to get through this. And I didn't. The other problem I had is I as I started kind of. Um, there's a, there's a stylistic, uh, art choice and it kind of has like a colored pencil vibe, which is fine, sure. which is fine. I, I don't want to criticize it for that, but it didn't, it didn't grab me. Like, uh, um, some of the painted, um, issues at that point, you kind of want to, for me anyways, personally, I want to read more and I want to look at those pictures and stuff. The artwork here just did not, did not bring me into it. And then the choice and the colored pencils didn't really do anything for me. So I'm like, everything's stacked up against me. It's too long. <laughs> I'm not digging the artwork. Um, and as I started looking through like all the panels, I'm just it just seemed like a lot of heads yelling at other heads and fighting and not much establishment, if that makes sense. So um, I don't know. Very, very quickly, Hitler hires the Red Skull to look in on what Charles Xavier is doing. Uh, the Excalibur disguises themselves as the knight 
or what did I call them before? The lightning, the lightning, lightning brigade, lightning force, lightning brigade. Um, they find Moira McTaggart, who, as we know, was in Excalibur, but now it's somehow Moira from this universe with the in body, but the mind of Moira from our universe. Um, oh, really? You know, any, in any, yeah. I don't know why though. It's just kind of convenient. Um, you know, anytime we have Moira, it always makes me think of where Moira is in the current uh, timeline. Yeah. Well, I mean, there like, was. How does, how does that fit into that? The cross time caper kind of started off with Moira and Callisto going into a different dimension. I don't even remember if they ever resolved that. And then evil versions of them, or Nazi versions of them, coming out of the portal. They never really explain it. Just that this this is the evil version of Moira, but somehow the the good version of Moira from our universe, uh, or the six one six or whatever you want to call it, yeah. is somehow inhabiting this body. Okay. So she helps out uh, Excalibur to fight the Reichsmen first. She goes by pretty quickly. Uh, we meet Bobby Drake, who is torturing Polaris for mm-hmm. in. Uh, as as directed by Charles Xavier, um, the Red Skull reveals to Hitler that he has created something that will allow him to become youthful again, because Hitler's an old man in this, and he's also in a wheelchair. So in order to get his strength back, he goes under this process that does successfully get him younger, but then for reasons that I can't explain... I guess just Phoenix Force. Yeah. Uh, Red Skull disappears. It it literally just says Red Skull just disappears. Uh, let's see. I like- Red Skull, he too suffers the repercussions of his actions. He too this day is made to pay. And then we see the Phoenix Force surrounding Red Skull and then he just disappears. I like that they've basically got Cyclops hanging upside down, constantly using his eye beams to power something. <laughs> and then you've got an angel skeleton, and then yeah, you get to the Bobby Drake torturing. And is is Bobby Drake gonna just like slice into her head with his ice power? Yeah. And then the He's... beast is just like skinned. Yep, that stuff's yeah. interesting. But so, some of the stuff is fun. Yeah. Uh, Professor Xavier's eyebrows are out of control in this issue, which is kind of great. Yep. Um. I, I didn't really, and I, did, I read this three weeks ago and kind of skimmed it yesterday, so some plot points might be eluding me. But uh, the neatest thing about this is that after the Red Skull disappears, uh, Hitler is still connected to the machine that is making him younger, and it continues to make him younger into a baby and into a fetus and into just nothingness because Red Skull is no longer there to turn off the device. Oh, which I thought was kind of fun. Um, Professor Xavier somehow absorbs the Phoenix force, but I guess is good now. So it's okay. And there's kind of a panel where he flies off and it's sort of neat because his eyebrows are now like wings or something. Oh, that was fun. Mm. It's sort of a charcoal, charcoal pencil style to it. Um, And then Excalibur returns back to normal. Yeah, the the charcoal drawing, um, that's good. I could see a a big print of that. You don't even need to know that that's the professor. So, I mean, you know, this issue had some neat stuff, um, and I think that's probably why it was made. 
But uh, in the in the end, I couldn't really tell you a lot why stuff happened. Like, I'm not sure what the role of the Phoenix Force was in this, except to kind of kick everything off and then somehow resolve everything. But I don't I don't fully understand how it resolved everything. Uh, I don't understand why the professor is like evil, and then the Phoenix Force connects with him, and now he's okay. Somehow it burned out all the evilness. Uh, Rachel. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but then. How does how is the professor now Phoenix, but Rachel is still Phoenix? I mean, I guess they're different universes, so cause comics, whatever. Cause comics, I think, is the best way to look at it. I never really understood. Like, so so does Rachel have the Phoenix Force, and is it the Phoenix Force from our universe, or is it another Phoenix Force from another universe? Are you asking me? Yeah, what do you know? <laughs> I don't know that I know anything. Um my interpretation is that the future that she came from, Rachel Summers, is a future in which uh, Phoenix had the, like, never turned dark Phoenix, never never died, never was resurrected as Jean Grey. And so she was born with a piece of the Phoenix Force. And then she went back in time, and now she's trapped in this 616. So I would say she did not come from a 616 future, but... I, so that's just me speculating. Does that mean that there are two phoenixes in this in the in the universe? Do they ever do they ever resolve the fact that there are two, or do they ever even acknowledge the fact that there are two phoenixes? Like, or can there be two phoenixes? Two in characters one universe? named the named phoenix. Well, two characters that have the phoenix force. Yeah, I don't know. It's like Jean Grey also still kind of has it over an X Factor, right? Like it periodically shows up, or I guess she's an X Men now. From the things that I've read, they don't really deal with uh, Rachel having any sort of, you know, I mean, Jean Grey continues to, like, die and be reborn because of Phoenix things. Um, I don't think that ever happens to Rachel. I think she just has a, a fraction, a portion. I, I don't know. Okay. But yeah. I don't think, like, yeah. the, the galactic creature known as Phoenix cares one way or the other about Rachel for some reason. Okay. Or, or at least no writer has tapped into that that I'm aware of. All right. So there you go. This has been Speculations with Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> this has been We Don't Know. Yeah. Uh, well, then uh, then I'm going to wrap it up here because that's all of our B-sides. Oh. Uh, okay, Adam. Do you have anything else? I do not. <laughs> that's why I'm wrapping it up. Oh, okay. I'm assuming you don't have anything else either. I don't. I made that assumption. Because this is not one of our cool uh, Patreon things where we just wax poetic about whatever whatever's going on. Yeah, I got things to wax poetic about. Um, well, I guess we got to do the show notes. Oh, my gosh. I, I forgot about all that stuff. I did, too. Well, there you go. Now. You can visit us um, at www.xmenpodcast.com. Go out to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. Twitter us uh, at danger room go. Or email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. Visit us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. You know, leave some feedback, some stars, whatever you um, happen to choose to do there. Um, or go out to patreon.com slash dangerroom where you can hear us talk about, well, other things that are happening. Currently, we're talking about um, X-Men Forever. Is that what we're talking about? 
Sure. Uh, in the Patreon, yeah, where I think that's what. It, yeah, it says X Men Forever. Okay, yeah, perfect. X Men Forever, the alternate universe that could have been if uh, Chris Claremont continued writing the X Men, uh, as well as we talk about movies and shows and eh, video games and anything else that's sort of on our mind uh, that has come up since the last time we chatted. Because we have one mind between Pretty the much. two of it's us. A, it's a hive mind. <laughs> our theme music is pro- provided by Laszlo Hollyfield and. Uh, well, that's it. It's, uh... All right. Well, then, uh, until next time, my name's my name's Adam. My name's Jeremy, and the danger room is closed. You did that a little out of order, but that's okay. I liked it. That's. Do you usually do that? I forget. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I, it's it's good though. I liked it. I liked uh, the the role reversal there. Okay. Goodbye. Okay, bye. bye.